Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. If you don't mind, Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3, it reads as follows. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. Based on that, I want to talk to you for for a few minutes on this topic. I must trust the Lord to keep me. If you agree with that, say it with me. I must trust the Lord to keep me. Amen. To be kept by God. Powerful statement. An even more powerful promise to know that God will protect you. Guard you, watch over you, and keep us from seeing as well as unseen dangers, people with twisted and impure motives. He also keeps us uh, when we, when the flesh is trying to act up. When I mean it's that part of the flesh that is not under divine influence. As born again believers, it's great to know that when I make the choice to give my life to Jesus, Accept him as my Lord and my Savior and yield my will to, excuse me, my will to obey his word. He has the power to keep me. In fact, let's say that together. He has the power to keep me. Now, Jude picked up this very similar uh, sentiment, so to speak, in Jude 24. So go to Jude, if you don't mind, verse 24. It reads as follows, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Now Jude is a bondservant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James. He makes this statement, notice what he says here, that now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Notice this, he says, I'm capable, I'm strong enough, and I have the power to keep you from stumbling. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. See, Jude begins to express God's ability, his capabilities, and his strength along with his power. At times we have to stop and pause and recognize God's ability. People in the world, maybe your spouse, your supervisor, your doctor, or your lawyer or judge, will try to convince you that they have the power over your outcome. But as saints of God, we have to know that our our outcome rests in God's power. I thank God that it does. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that man, because man will limit you in what you can have. But God says that it is unlimited in what I will give unto you. Go with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. The book of Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. The Bible reads as follows. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, 
So we see here Paul is reminding the church at Ephesus that God has ability. Notice what he says here. Now to him who is able, the, our Lord is capable. He's able to provide favorable circumstance or favorable outcomes to do exceedingly abundantly all that we ask or think. According to the power, not just any power, but miracle power, strength, might, and ability that, that works, not, notice this, in us. This power works in us. See, God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly all that we crave, desire, and ask for, for those things we think about, we comprehend, or we understand. He can do over and beyond what we can ever think about. He can go give us miracle power, strength, and favor that works only inside of us. We might have to ask and tear for the Holy Spirit, but let me say this to you. The Holy Spirit is worth waiting for. He is worth asking for. He is worth the power that comes with the Holy Spirit. And see, the Holy Spirit is capable of keeping us and doing above and beyond what we ask or think. Let's go back over to Jude 24. And I want us to, I want us to look at that just a little bit closer. I want to read it to you again, then we'll go talk about it a little bit more. Now, to him who is able to keep you. Now, remember now, Jew emphasizes that God is able to keep you. Again, he's able to guard you. He's able to watch over you. He's able to protect you. And I thank God for that because I've, I've lived long enough to realize that I didn't always do a good job in protecting myself, but God protected me. Oh, y'all ain't, y'all ain't, y'all ain't got it yet, have you? Listen, you ever ride down the road and realize that you were the wrong, wrong, one on the wrong side of the road and, but God protected you? Have you ever seen somebody on your side of the road and you like, blow, I blowed the horn and you, you thought the blow, uh, sometimes I missed the horn and they still, I said, whoo, thank you, Lord. He protected me. Been in the store, it's God's protection. Listen, people talk about the things that go on, but it is God's protection over our lives. How many thank God for God's protection? And that's, and we need to understand that this is powerful. But notice this, he's going to keep you from stumbling, keep you from falling, keeping you from losing your balance and moving around with difficulty causing you to be unsteady. Woo, you ain't lived long enough till you've been unsteady for a little while. And then, but God can keep you in the midst of you being in the days where you were unsteady. Can I be real with you? I've been unsteady. I've been unmoved. I've been in situations like that. But God has kept me in the midst of all of that. Didn't pray like I needed to pray. Did not fast like I needed to fast. Didn't give like I needed to give. Didn't treat people like they needed to be treated. But God kept me. You know why he's keeping me? He's constantly correcting me as he keeps me. Ooh, Lord, thank you for keeping me, but thank you for keeping me as you correct me. Let me get out of that. And to present you faults before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. See, God is capable and provides favorable circumstances to guard, protect, and keep us safe when things get unsteady and begin to get out of balance. He has the power to keep us steady. Sometimes it's not us, but it's the things around us that's not steady. But God will keep you steady while things around you are unsteady. 
job unsteady, relationships unsteady. Anybody ha- ever had the money be funny uh, uh, once or two times in your life? Then God keep you while your money was funny. God has the power to do that. And so obstacles may come and we may experience difficulties, but there's nothing more powerful than our Savior. It's easy to get out of balance. It's easy to get out of balance. I think about this. Lady Dobbs is the love of my life. I can say that. I can say that. I can, I can, I can shimmer and shimmer with that one, praise God. But if I do anything but think of her more than I think of God, I'm losing balance. And it, I can easily stumble thinking about her more than I'm thinking about Jesus. Work or my business might be important, but we are out of balance when work go gets in the way of me hearing and applying God's word. I, if, if I can miss church or, uh, or I can be in church, but I can be mentally distracted sitting in church, but can't focus on the written and revealed word of God that's being taught. I'm out of balance. But we know God is merciful. How many know we serve a merciful God? He knows how to keep us from stumbling. What might appear as harmless could potentially separate us from him, but God can keep us. Thank God for his keeping power. We also see in the latter part of Jude 24 that God doesn't stop there. In the second part, a latter part of that, he is going to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Notice this. He's going to cause you to stand. He's going to place you before the Lord faultless, without blame or blemish. And you're, you don't have blame or blemish because of the blood of Jesus that was shed back on the cross called Calvary. Thank God for the blood. How many thank God for the blood this morning? If it weren't for the blood, we wouldn't be sitting in the sanctuary this morning. If it weren't for the blood that was shed back in Calvary, we'll be on our way to hell. Long story short, So thank God for the blood. And this particular scripture, many people believe in and scholars believe that this is when that when you get saved, God can keep you and present you, present you on that day you met Jesus. See, the Holy Spirit has to present you before the Lord. You can't present yourself before God. You got to let the Lord present you before him. And God knows how soon as you give your life to Jesus, when you receive him as Lord and Savior, and you, Lord, say, I'm going to submit to your will and to your way. It could be 30 years before you go into glory, but God knows how to keep you for 30 years. Mm -mm. God knows how to keep you for 40 years. And even if you go like the the man that was at the cross and he said, Lord, remember me this day in paradise. And I thank God he remembered him. And that brother got saved at the cross. Listen, the most important thing you can do is get saved. Give your life to Jesus and submit to his will and to his way. Thank God for salvation. How many thank God for salvation? Oh, yes. Hallelujah to God. Now, as we, now, the big question, the hurdle or obstacle is not will God keep me when I'm dealing with trials and tribulation or my flesh is trying to get the best of me. The big question is, do I want to be kept and remain in his presence? Do I want to be kept? Do I want to be kept? Oh, God. That's the question I'm bringing before us this morning. 
As we look over our Christian journey, we understand that the Holy Spirit, the omniscient God, will lead, guide, and instruct and influence us uh, concerning God's will and his presence. See, the Lord, the word comes each week and it leads us to God's will and his presence for our lives. We have sermons, we have sermon notes, we have media ministry, constantly leading us to God's will and his presence. Midweek Bible study leading us to God's will and his presence. I thought about from this standpoint here. If I am out, let's say, for example, this represents God's presence here. And if I am out of the presence of God, I, if when I study, when I have devotion time, when I go to church, when I'm in midweek Bible study, his pre, this word leads me to his presence. It leads me to his will. See, I might be doing my own thing. I might be leaning to my own understanding. I might be doing things out of the will of God. But once I take heed to the word, his word leads me to his presence. Are y'all seeing that now? Because, see, you can do things to get out of the will of God. But if you want to get in the presence of God, you repent and say, God, not my will, but Not my will, but not my will, but what? Your will be done. And that gets you back into the presence of our king. See, the challenging part is are we staying in his presence because the Holy Spirit is doing his part? Watch this. When I get into his presence, am I going to stay in his presence? Because I can get in the mindset that I can take his presence for granted. I say, you know what? I, I made it to his presence. I'm all right. I just set sail on it. I know the Holy Spirit going to keep me to that day. But see, if you're not careful, the enemy can just draw you away from the, the presence of our king. And so you have to make up in our minds that I'm going to allow his word. I'm going to allow his, his, the ministry of the Holy Spirit to draw me into his presence. And when I get here, I'm going to stay in his presence. I'm going to say, I'm not going to let the enemy draw me away from the presence of my king. And if he does, I'm going to say, hold on, Lord. I look around, and, and most of us know when we ain't in the presence, ain't doing what we're supposed to do. We ain't got to be real deep with it. We ain't got to say, oh, God, yeah, I, I can, am I really in the will of God? If you got to ask the question. Then we need to say, Lord, I just repent. Help me to get back in his presence. I don't need pastor. I don't need senior minister. I don't need, I just need to do right by God. I, I just need to get right. And see, and before you look at everybody funny, you remember the days when you were out of the presence of God. You remember the days and you wouldn't do like you're supposed to do. So before you start pointing fingers, because just because you in the presence, you need to be able to reach up and grab somebody and help them get in the presence of God. Lord, look how you're looking there. Oh, I know. I know. You thought I'm going to get on your neighbor. Now I'm getting on you for not helping your neighbor get in the presence. You're not calling your neighbor. You're not texting your neighbor. Oh, they can just get it themselves. What about you when you were messed up? Every now and then we need help from one another. He put it like this. Am I my brother's keeper? Oh, Galatians put it like this. Consider, oh, you, you, you know, you got overtaken once upon a time and a fall. You who are spiritual, restore such a one. Consider yourself. Oh, consider the time when you was out of the will of God. 
Woo! But God says, reach up and help somebody get out. Because remember the days when you were not in his presence. I got sidetracked. Let me get back on this thing. So, we have in our minds that we're going to stay at a certain place in Christ. I have to be found in order to, re- I got to remain in that place. It's going to require effort and a steadfast mind. It's going to require effort and a steadfast mind. Paul tells us this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brother, be steadfast. Now, I want you to notice something when I give you these words. He says, be steadfast. One of the things you need to understand, the understood subject in that clause is you. You got to be steadfast. You got to be unmovable. You always, you got to be the one always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So therefore, my beloved, now he considers you the beloved. He considers you esteemed and his favorite. He considers you his brother, fellow believers. So we have fellow believers in this sanctuary. I thank God that you're a fellow believer. I really do. I appreciate the fact you're a fellow believer. I love the fact that you're a fellow believer. In fact, look at your fellow believer. You got to say that to him, but that is your fellow believer. That's a fellow believer. A person that believes, if number one, that Jesus is your, is the Lord and his Savior. And so since I'm a fellow believer, I've got to make the decision, I'm going to be steadfast. I got to be steadfast. Now, one reason he tells me to be steadfast is that there is an enemy and there's an enemy and also everyday life can cause a person not to be steadfast or unmovable. Just everyday life can cause you to be not steadfast. Just dealing with people, period, can cause you not to be steadfast. Only I got three amens right here. The rest of y'all pray for the rest of us. We got folks that are causing us not to be steadfast. We got people causing us not to be unmovable. And I, I like that, that it happens, I, I, let me say this to you. It happens in relationships, it happens in careers, it happens in jobs, happens in the churches. There are things that cause us not to be steadfast. So Paul gives us four truths or practices he gave to the Corinthian church. He's given up to us those to us today that we can practice or put into action that will cause us to be in the place that God wants us to be. Now, practice is the activity or rehearsal of doing something again and again in order to become better at it. Now, you can tell how much I practice if I start playing them drums right now. Let me say that sink in for a moment. Well, Pastor, I've never seen you practice drums. There you go. And when I play them, it's going to sound like I never practiced it. You can tell how much I take heed to God's word by how much I put it into action. Because if I never take heed to it, it's hard to put it into action. It's hard to pray when you never pray. It's hard to give and really give when you never give. It's hard to study. You say, well, Pastor, I don't understand when I study. Keep studying. 
Keep coming to church. Keep getting the word. And you'll understand it better the more you study it. You under, you do better the more you practice it. I remember when I first started playing. Now, you may not believe this. When I first started shooting basketball, I wasn't any good. I know it's hard to believe. But the more I practice it, the shot got sweeter and sweeter. Y'all know anything about that, brothers? Y'all, y'all know anything about that? But you know anything about that right now? You know anything? But the more you do it, the better you're going to be. The more, some of y'all, you know, people thought you couldn't cook. But the more you practice it, the better you became. Is that right? Now, let's look at how we can get better in our walk with Christ. One, be steadfast. Be firmly fixed in the place. Be unwavering. Stay in the same course. Dedicated, devoted, and loyal. Now, this is what you need to understand. You got to work on that. You got to work on being steadfast. Because the enemy is going to try to move you out the way. And let me say this to you. If you get moved, don't be surprised. Just get back in the place where you're steadfast again. Because I'll be honest with you. You know how spiritual that person is beside you? I'm talking about that, that person beside you real spiritual. I'm talking about, boy, if you say something right now, they go, they'll haul their shine with you. But there's been one day they were not steadfast. It's been one day they were not where they need to be in Christ. But they repented and got back in it. And this is what we need to understand. You may have to repent a whole lot to to be steadfast. But you keep on working at it. Don't quit because you messed up. Don't throw in the towel because you wasn't there all last week. But get in the race and stay there. And if you mess up, you're good company. Only one that did not mess up was Jesus. Only one that did not mess up was Jesus. Everybody else that followed him, they missed that. But we can't get there, can we? Next one is be unmovable. Not to be moved from his place. Unmoved and persistent. Unmoved. Don't be moved. Always abounding. We're going to talk about this one a little bit more a little bit later. In the work of the Lord. Always abounding. Listen, going above and beyond. And this is what you need to watch this word, overflow. My work for God is going to overflow. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. That's very important that we understand. What I do for God is going to overflow. But then I got to know. That my labor or your labor is not in vain. I got to perceive and understand and discern that what I, my work or my work for God is not empty. It's not destitute of spiritual growth or meaning. So when I pray, it's not useless. When I give, it's not useless. When I do right by my brother or my sister, it is not useless. Well, you don't, I didn't see what you did, Pastor Dobb. It don't matter if you saw it. God saw it. And number one thing, the most important thing he saw was my heart. Because you gotta have a heart that's right when you do things for God. Now, in my opinion, this scripture is powerful for all believers, regardless if you just got saved or been in ministry for 20 or 30 years. 
We have to continue to practice 1 Corinthians 15, 58 until we get better and better and better and better in being steadfast, better in being unmovable, better in always abounding in the work of the Lord, and better in knowing that our labor is not in vain. We must be firm, fixed, persistent, going above and beyond what we do for God. We have to do it with the knowing that being confident that regardless of what we see, hear, and even feel, that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's not useless. It's not lacking spiritual growth or meaning. In my opinion, Paul understood that there, there will be obstacles, trials, tribulations, issues, and so forth that would try to move us away from the will of God for, for our lives. Unfortunately, the enemy has been successful in the past in using distractions such as family, such as careers, such as the love of money, such as sexual desires, and so forth to cause believers to be drawn away from Jesus. If I didn't call yours, don't worry, uh, I meant that, that one too. That one too. It has drawn you away. Just be real. You ain't even live long enough you've been drawn away. And sometimes it can be a television program. You can quote unquote call yourself Net, Netflix, 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 and draw it away by what God told you to do. Drawn away. Why? Because you got drawn away. You know you should have been praying. You know you should have been studying scripture. You know you should have been doing this, that, and the other. And, but, Thank God for repentance. Is that right? We cannot afford to allow ourselves to be vulnerable, to be drawn away from Jesus and his word, even for a short period of time. It's also in case me that it would, uh, that we will make it to a place where we're thinking, talking, and conducting our lives like Jesus. When we do, let us remain unmoved from that place. Remember, he says, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So you must be going to be at a place where you're doing right. Y'all see that? Because he says, once you get to that place, stay there. Stay there. Don't be moved. Be steady. Be firm. Don't be moved by that. You start praying, be consistent in your prayer life. You start coming to church, be consistent in your coming to church. You start having devotion time, be consistent in your devotion time. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect, but be consistent in it. See, once you get there, be consistent in it. Be consistent. All right, now, let's go a little further. If we fall short and we see ourselves drifting for what we know is true in any circumstance, let us repent and allow him to fill us with the Holy Spirit and get it right. Let me tell you something. You could be in the will of God on this platform right here, right? In the will. And get distracted by something. It looked good. Scripture says lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Excuse me a moment. It looked good, sound good, act good, so forth and so on. It can just take you away from the will of God. I mean, it can just literally take you away. I mean, you could be going through life and just not doing. I mean, you think you're going all right. I mean, your bills paid, family is okay, but listen, you're just drifting away from God. You got your work, you're working overtime, you're working under time, 
but you're just constantly drifting away from God. Everything looks great on the outside, but on the inside, you're drifting away from God. You don't quite understand everything that's happening, but you're drifting away from God. Getting farther and farther away. And everything's going well, but you're drifting farther and farther away from God. Drifting farther and farther away from God. You got to be careful about it because it can look good, but you're drifting farther and farther away. And the thing you got to do is repent. That's the beautiful thing about repentance. Remember, we studied the last few months about churches that had to repent. And you know who's inside the churches? Believers. Believers had to repent because they got out of the will of God. And so you're not going to be the only one. Just when you do, repent and get it right. See, I believe that the challenge for many of us is going to be to stay in that holy place. Stay in the place where we have a consistent prayer life, fasting regularly, regularly, studying scripture, giving and sowing in God's house, telling others of the goodness of Jesus and so forth. We don't want to be guilty of seeing this holy place as a burden and not as a privilege and an honor. When you get to that place, it is a privilege and an honor. The work we do for the Lord should be work that overflows into every area of our lives. We have to constantly apply the word into our lives and speak the word of God over our lives and our family as well as our job and such like. For examples, we speak words like, I will place no confidence in the flesh. I will trust the Lord wholeheartedly. I will pray without ceasing. Father, allow your will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. I must remain steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that my labor is not in vain in the Lord. See, ideas for Christ need to overflow to other every area of our lives. We need to be empowered and equipped and help others to get there as well. We have to keep God's word flowing in life and spread it as much as possible. See, the work we do for the Lord should be a work that overflows to every area of our life. See, our devotion time should not, our devotion time should keep us throughout the work day. Watch this. When I have a devotion time, it should be that it keeps me when I go throughout the day. When I have a devotion in the morning, that devotion time should flow to my work, riding up and down the road, wherever I am. That devotion time just doesn't, I don't put devotion time and put it in a box and just lock it here. I I had devotion this morning. I did good. You did good, but let that devotion time work with you throughout the day. Jesus put it like this. My word or his word, we meditate on day and night. We continue to meditate on his word constantly. Our prayer life should help us to deal with family. See, when I pray, it should not just keep the prayer there, but prayer helps me to deal with my family. You don't pray and leave your prayer at the place you prayed at. You pray and say, that prayer needs to work all over. Look, when I have my, when I witness, it should help me to be more, have a grateful attitude. When I go out and witness and tell others about Jesus, I should be grateful for what God has done for my life. Our love for Jesus should help us love our enemies. 
Deuces. We don't love Jesus and forget about our enemies. The Bible says we need to pray for those that despitefully use us. Notice how when we pray, it helps us in other areas of our life. Our church life should help us think, talk, and conduct our lives more like Jesus. See, when I come in the church, I may not be empowered and equipped, but when I leave the church, I should leave being empowered, and I should leave being equipped. Are y'all seeing here? Listen, when I come to the house of God, I may not have a miracle, but miracles are in the sanctuary, and I leave with a miracle. I don't know what God going to release that miracle at, but I thank God he's going to release it. Ooh, you don't know when God... I may, I may not even come in knowing I need a miracle. I might not even know I know I need a healing. I may not even know I need deliverance. I may not even know I need a financial miracle. But God knows. And he says, when you come into the house, I'm going to leave you. You're going to leave with a miracle. This is the thing. You're not going to know it unless you walk by faith and not by sight. And when you leave here, the miracle will be on you. And when you ride down the road, the car that was going to hit you, not going to hear you, hit you, cause that miracle just covered you. And that miracle saved your life, and you think, ooh, I, I'm a good driver. I'm an alert driver. Some of y'all, the way y'all drive, it's a miracle. Y'all can't go from point A to point B. Glance, just glance, just glance. Don't look at him, just glance. So we understand that when we come into the house of God, we don't leave the same way we came in. Why? Because of the miracle working power of Jesus. God loves us so much that he said, I'm going to empower you and I'm going to equip you. Now, Matthew records the teaching conversation that Jesus had with the devil in the wilderness. Remember that Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil? At times, the Holy Spirit will lead us to a tight spot to build character, integrity in us, to teach us how, how confidence in his word more than what we see or hear. Let's go to Matthew 4 and 4. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. But he answered and said, it is written, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. See, it is written, man shall live. How are we going to live? We're going to conduct our life, our quality of living. How do we, our time between birth and death? By, not by bread alone. We're going to need bread, substance of life. But our main way we live is by the word that proceeds or go forth or spread from the mouth of God. How do I conduct my life? I conduct it by the word of God. Because we're free more agents, the Lord will allow us as believers to make daily decisions to hear and apply the word that we hear weekly. But it takes divine power and being persistent lived by every word that proceeds forth weekly. It takes power. And my pain is constantly refilling the Holy Spirit and having faith and confidence in God to keep living by the word of God every day as long as we live in this earth suit. As we put the word into action. We can look for our life to get better and better. Even though, holly, we got to deal with certain trials and tribulations along the way. But every believer should walk by faith and not by sight. 
Every believer should walk by faith and not by sight. What? We conduct our life. We make our uh, journey and commitment to walk by faith. Our belief, our conviction, our trust, our confidence in the word of God. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. Notice what it says. For we walk by faith, not by what? We walk by what? And not by what? So when you conduct your life by faith and not by sight, oh, this is what you need to understand when you walk by faith and not by sight. You may not see immediate results. Everybody understand that? You don't see it by what you you pray and you got to wait for the manifestation of the prayer in the natural. You give, but you may not see it immediately, the results. But you will, got you do have results. Listen, just because you, oh God, do whatever you do with God, there's an amount of faith and trust you're going to have to have in God. Because you're not going to see immediate results. Like that. Most of the time. Sometimes you will. But sometimes you have to wait on God. But that's a believer. A believer said it's going to happen despite what I see. That's how you conduct your life. You say it every day. Hey, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pray. I may not see the results right now, but I believe something's happening, though. I'm going to give and I'm going to get see the good measure, press down, shaking together, running over, because that's what I do. That's what I do, God. I'm a believer. Hallelujah. Now, that brings us to today's text, Isaiah 26 and verse 3. Isaiah 26 and verse 3. Let's read it again. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is staying on you because he trusts in you. Now, when I first started studying this, and many probably do remember this, I focused in more on the perfect peace aspect. But in this study, one of the things that kept me, uh, that really stood out to me was, is that God has to keep me. I'm going to let that sink in a moment. God has to keep me. Because if God don't keep me, perfect peace is not going to matter. If God don't keep me, joy is not going to matter. Because why? I need the one who's all powerful to keep me. I need him to keep me because if God don't keep me, man can't keep me. A government can't keep me. Individuals can't keep me. I need God to keep me. Why is that so important, Pastor Dobbs? Because when I get weak, I need a strong God to keep me. When I mess up, I need a strong God to keep me. When I come up short, I need a strong God to keep me. And I like this. You will keep him. Now, in order to be kept, Isaiah instructs me, I must keep my mind on Jesus. <laughs> when I'm, mine is defined as my purpose and my intellectual framework. The way I think, the way I talk, and the way I act, it must be kept on Jesus. And this is the the job of the enemy. He wants to get you distracted so you don't think about Jesus. 
He wants to take you off course so you don't think about Jesus. Because if you ever start thinking about Jesus, he knows that power is released when you think about Jesus. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Lord, will you lay hands on the sick? The sick don't recover. Why? Because you got your mind on Jesus. Oh, you didn't got your mind on your on your problem. You got your mind on Jesus. You don't have your mind on what's trying to distract you. You got your mind on Jesus. And it's important that we keep our mind on Jesus. From this truth, we can see we must make a conscious decision to allow our purpose, our thinking, and our meditating to stay on Jesus. He needs to support our thought process, not our way of doing things. We got to be careful because when we try to do it our way, that's focusing in on your way of doing things and not on his way. We need to lean on him mentally and emotionally and not on people, places, government institutions and so forth. When I see my mind drifting, I need to quickly repent. You ever been trying to study and got distracted by something? You ever been trying to pray and got distracted by something? You ever been in a situation where you were in church and you got distracted by something? Woo. I believe that believers can have the mind of Christ, but it's another thing to have our mind stayed or supported or leaning in on Jesus. For I believe that people can pray. See, see let me give you a few examples here. I believe people can pray one or two times. But it takes a lifestyle to pray consistently. It takes determination to pray consistently. I know you've been praying for 20 years. I know you've been praying for five years. You've been praying. I ain't talking about now I lay me down to sleep. I'm not talking about uh, 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 praying over your food. I'm talking about you have a, a consistent prayer life. When nothing's going on, you're praying. When something is going on, you're praying. You're praying. You pray without ceasing. It takes something to pray without ceasing. It takes something. Not everybody is in that place yet, but you can be in that place. I'm not talking about you're going to be perfect with it, but every day you made up in your mind, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray not because Pastor Dahl told me, but because I love Jesus. And he told me to pray without ceasing. Oh, I thank God for what the word of God is speaking into our lives. Another example is this. People can give one or two times. Or they may give it something that tugs at their heartstring, but it takes a persistent tie, parent, offering giver, and a per- person of courage and commitment to be a consistent tie, pair, and offering giver. I think that anyone can get married, but it takes love, the love of Jesus to stay married. I believe that single people can be single, but it takes something else to be single and saved. I believe many people can find the will of God, but it takes a lifestyle of hearing and applying God's written and revealed word of God to stay in God for six months, to stay in God for a year, to stay in God for five years and ten years and twenty years and thirty years. It takes something to stay with God and to know that God will keep you from the time you give your life to him until you be offered up into glory, it takes something. But God can keep you if you allow him to keep you. 
If you allow him, because he will make you stay with him. If you want to leave God, you can just walk away and leave God. He will not stop you from leaving him. He did not stop Judas from betraying him. And Judas walked with him when he was on the earth. But let me say this to you. When the disciples wanted to be with Jesus, even down Thomas ended up staying with him in the long run. Why? Because he had a mind. I don't understand everything, but I'm staying with Jesus. When you go through life, you got to make up in your mind. You're going to stay with Jesus. Yeah. Will they get rough? Yeah. But what ain't going to get rough? You ever worked on a job before and they got rough? Look how y'all looking in here now. Everybody married and had one or two rough days in their married life. Everybody single and had one or two. The clock even beat on that one. I mean, that must have been a good point. Doing right is going to require you to do something. But you can do it. And you know what? God will keep you if you want to be kept. How many believe God can keep you if you want to be kept? Let me say this to you. Why stay with Jesus if he can't keep you? Why come to church if he can't keep you? Why continue to give if he can't bless you like he wants to bless you? What if man could stop the blessings of God? Man, we need to serve man then. But we serve a God that's high and lifted up. Let me get let me get back to this. Hallelujah. Notice how the Lord promises. He says, if keeping our mind on Jesus sets the condition for this powerful promise to manifest in our lives. Hold on a few minutes and we'll finish this up. Isaiah 26 and 3, you will keep him in perfect, perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. The powerful promise is more, worth more and more valuable than tons of money. It is perfect peace. Notice what God's going to do. If you keep your mind on it, you believe he can keep you. He says, I got perfect peace for you. You're going to be complete. You're going to have soundness, safety, tranquility, and prosperity. Woo! Thank God for perfect peace. Some of us who may not have as much money, we may think that money is the answer to keeping peace in our marriage, at work, with the bill collector, the daycare bill, the college loans, and so forth. Quite the contrary, God's perfect peace is the answer because his safety, his tranquility, his completeness, and prosperity can lead us to the money. In fact, God continued to do exceedingly abundantly above any amount of money you can think of. He can do greater than that. Woo, shata. Perfect peace equates healing, deliverance, prosperity, and tranquility in the life of a believer. Their life is getting better by submitting to the will of God for their life and allowing the Lord to be the major influence in our intellectual framework. In the way that we think, the way that we talk, and the way that we act, we're more influenced by his word than we are anything else. We have to make up our mind. That's the way it's going to be. That's how you keep the perfect peace. Now, it does not mean that you'll go through a day that every day is going to be tranquil on the outside. But we have peace here, and that peace passes all understanding. 
Can I be real, real with you? Sometimes people going to cause ha- havoc around you. You're going to work in an environment that's not going to be good sometimes. You're going to have a home situation that's not going to be. But God give you peace. In the midst of all of that. That's what you need to understand. That's peace that passes all understanding. And just because they are panicking around you and upset around you, don't mean you have to be. Because his peace is what governs your life. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Because he trusts, he has confidence, he made, he feels safe and secure in you. So notice the condition. The promise is you will keep him in perfect peace. The condition whose mind is stayed on you. What's the reason? Because he trusts in you. It's so essentially place our confidence in Jesus. Jesus as our healer, our deliverer, our mighty God, our prince of peace, our miracle worker, our strong tower, our Jehovah, the greater one who lives on the inside of us. And in my opinion, it's vitally important that we trust the Lord continuously and not just in crisis, but when things are going well and when things are going not so well. And that's why it's important. I'm going to close with these three things. Three things I want to give you to continue to build your trust in Jesus. Because I believe it's truly important that we continue to construct and make stronger our confidence our assurance, our trust in our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, there are more than three. I'm just going to give you the three I was led to talk to you all about, and then we'll close it out with these. One, we're going to trust in the Lord wholeheartedly. Trust in the Lord wholeheartedly. You see our scripture, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and verse 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. So if I'm going to trust, I'm saying this, I'm going to have confidence. I'm going to be secure in the Lord with all my heart. And I'm not going to lean. I'm not going to lean. I'm not going to support. I'm not going to do it my way. The way that I think it should be done. But in all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge him and he's going to direct my path. What am I saying? Don't lean on your own understanding. Do not lean on your own understanding. And when you start doing that and trusting God and lean on his way of doing things, it's going to build your confidence or your trust in Jesus more effectively. Now, let me say this to you. Even when you... Start leaning and trusting in God. It may not even look like it's working for your good. But you got to trust God that he's going to work it out for your good. Because some stuff you do, it's like, man, this ain't working. That's why you walk by faith and not by sight. You got to trust when you do it God's way. Okay, God, this going to work. Listen. Loan officer said it ain't going to work. The lawyer said it ain't going to work. Doctor said it ain't going to work. But I trust you, God, because this is what you told me to do. And you do that, and you're going to learn how to build your trust upon God. And one thing you're going to learn, sometimes it's going to look like, well, 
Let me give you a quick example. There were three boys who trusted God and messed around and got thrown in the lion's den. I mean a real lion den, too. I ain't talking about no, I ain't talking about no fake lions. I'm not talking about little bitty lions. You can just say, oh, get, go, choo, choo, lions. I'm not real lions. They were trusting God and got thrown in the den with real lions. But they came out on top. Now, sometimes trust gonna get you thrown into some tough stuff. So I can't tell you that you trust in God, everything gonna look wonderful. I'm just telling you that all things are working together for your good because you love God and you're called according to his purpose. Second aspect is develop a lifestyle of prayer and pray with confidence. First John chapter five, verse 14 and verse 15. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his His will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have petitions that we have asked of him. You're going to be in a position where you're going to have confidence in your prayer life. You're going to, you're going to be free and free. You're going to ask God for anything. You're going to say, God, you know what? I need you to move this mountain and throw it into the and cast into the sea. And God's going to do it for you. I say, whoa. And so when you're asking God to do something like that, you're going to, I mean, that just takes boldness to me. It takes confidence. It takes, you got to be uh, courage to, to say, speak to the mountain, be thou moved and cast to the sea and believe that God will do it. It takes something else when, when you're praying to a father, praying to the heavenly father, and he says, uh, casting your, throwing your last. Like, I can't throw in my last. But the one with the mic, the Bible says she gave more than they are. Do you know that God knows your financial situation better than you do? Do you know he knows your body better than you do? You know, he's not scared of medicine. He's not. He's not scared of 22 cents in your account, neither. He's not scared of 22 million dollars in your account, neither. So if God can handle 22 cents, I believe he can handle 22 million in my account, too. And don't be intimidated by it. If you got $22 million in your account, don't be intimidated by it. Don't let people intimidate you about it. When it ain't about money, tell that to a broke person. But we pray with confidence. We're praying that when I ask God to do something, I believe he's going to do it. If I ask God to heal your body, hey, keep taking the medicine, but believe God for your healing. If I believe, if I ask God to bless you financially, you continue to give, and I believe God and open up the windows of heaven and pull you out of blessing and room enough to receive. When I believe God can give you favor, you pray, Pastor Dallas, I need you to touch and bring me about this new job right here. Oh, I'm touching the green. Now, what if you don't get the job? Is God still not God? He's still God because he got something better for you. Only reason that door is closed because he got something better for you. Would you rather take a job making $100,000 a year or $50,000 a year doing the same thing at the same spot? Don't be intimidated because it don't work out the way you think it should. You can't lean to your own understanding walking with God. God is much higher. He knows too much. He is too wise. He is too brilliant for you to try to lock him down with the way you think. <laughs> Woo! Number three. 
Speak the word with boldness to self and to others. Acts 4 and 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness, they may speak the word of God. They may speak your word. Excuse me. No, it's boldness. There is freedom in speaking to be open, courage and assurance. Notice we're going to speak the word. We're going to speak it with boldness to self, to ourselves, as well as to others. Sometimes you got to look at people and tell them the word works. The word works. The word works. Well, I don't think it's working, Pastor Doc. <laughs> That's your opinion. The word works. Just tell somebody the word works. The word works. And you know what? It's working right now. It's working right now. It, the word works. It works. So in this one here, we're going to build a reliance on the Holy Spirit. First one is, we're not going to lean to our own understanding. We're going to trust in the Lord wholeheartedly. The second one, we're going to develop a lifestyle of prayer and pray with confidence. And the third one, we're going to speak the word with boldness to self and to others, i.e. build a reliance on the Holy Spirit. Now, it's evident based on God's word that the Lord has the power to keep us. Three questions. I want to close and you got to think between yourself. Number one, have we fully made up our mind that we want to be kept by Jesus? Have we fully made up in our mind that we want to be kept by Jesus? I'm not saying you're going to be perfect in this keeping. You know what I love about God? God keep me despite me. Thank y'all for two and a half amens. The rest of y'all probably didn't get that. I love about God. God keep me despite me. Now, I appreciate the fact that my wife loved me despite me. But I am more grateful that God loved me despite me. Because there's some flaws that my wife don't see that God see. <laughs> and he still loved me. Look how y'all looking at me now. Let me come off the stage and say this and right here. God know everything about you. The stuff you do in the secret, the stuff you do when nobody's looking, the stuff you, the stuff you look at in your phone that you don't think nobody knows, you erase all the cookies and everything, you erase all of that, but God still, still see what you pulled up. He still see it and he still love you. Look how y'all looking at me. And then you get mad at somebody cause they say something to you, please. Everything you have done, and God still love you. Place that you've been, and God still love you. The stuff you want said, and God still. I ain't talking about you said in front of me. Everybody, most of the time they nice in front of me. I had a person I met this morning. They say, "Oh, you a pastor?" Oh, and then they kind of straighten up. I know they were high and drunk and everything else, but they started to straighten themselves up while they were talking to me. And he didn't cuss or nothing because he was cussing to the person in front of me. I heard him, but he was. He straightened up when he saw me. Oh, you a pastor? I pulled my card out and gave it to him. I said, oh, who are you? What church you go? I had my, my, my OCC hat on. And when I showed him my cat, you know, he don't try to straighten up because he tried, he leaning all the same time trying to talk to me. Breath was kicking like, you know what, boy. <laughs> you know, folks got the alcohol breath on them, boy, and they trying to talk. They ain't got no mask on. I'm like, please get a mask on, brother. <laughs> please get one on. You get, woo! I, I pulled mine up over my nose and everything. <laughs> Okay, trying to fall down a little bit. I'm trying, trying to tape it down with super glue. I'm, trying, I'm sorry. But anyway, he, he tried to straighten up. But you know what I learned over the years? God still loved him anyway. And you know what? He, 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 God knew him just like he knew me. 
And I can't get mad with him because it was stuff I did. I, y'all couldn't tell y'all about. Y'all didn't see me drunk. Y'all didn't see me lying. Y'all told me. But I, God saw me what I did, what I did. You tell me what you did, Pastor? No, I ain't going to tell you what I did. But <laughs> God saw me. And he still loved me. So you know what? God loves you. And he saw everything. Uh, hold up. He saw everything. He, he, he saw what you would have done if you had the money. You know, some, some, some saying we don't do because we ain't got the money to do it. If we had the money, we would have. But God said, you know what? I, I, I saw what you would have done. I still love you. I'm going to help you along the way. You got to say God loves you. My question for you, do you want to be kept? Do you want to be kept? After everything you've done and he still loves you, do you still want to be kept by God? Do you want to be kept? Do you want to be kept by God? That's the question we're asking this morning. Do you want to be kept by God? And will we trust him to keep us? Will we trust him to keep us? Will we trust him? I mean, after everything you've done and he still wants to keep you, do you want to be kept? And do you still want him to keep you? And did I say it's going to be perfect? Did anybody understand the pastor job saying you will not be kept perfect in your walk? I mean, you will make some mistakes along the way, but God still love you enough to keep you. I mean, some of us, if I ask you how many of y'all prayed like y'all, you need to last week, don't, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Don't, don't, I saw the hand about to raise up. Please don't raise your hand. You might embarrass your neighbor. But don't raise your hand. If you said you studied like you needed to last week, 15 minutes a day, 24 hours a day, you just had 15. Did you pray? Did you study 15 minutes a day last week? Did you study 15 minutes a day last week? Six days. I'm not, not seven, six days. I'm not six days, five days. Isn't that the question that when um, Abraham was looking over into uh, the area of Solomon and Gomorrah. He asked the question, can you find, I'm, I'm using paraphrasing, 50 righteous, 30 righteous, 20 righteous. Can you find 10 righteous? Let me tell you something. God knows everything you did. And he still loves you. And all we ask him is that do you want to be kept by God? Do you want to? Because it's up to you. God, he does this. He done his part. And if you want to be kept by God, do you trust him to keep you? Do you trust him to keep you? Stand on your feet. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at occvr.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.